Hello everyone, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you're joining us today for our Q2 2023 results conference call. Our presenters today are our CEO Bjorn Golden and Tom Olmeyer, our CFO. As always, Bjorn will kick it off in a second with our prepared uh, remarks and uh, we'll walk you through our Q2 results and our outlook together with Harm. Um, as always, also, I would like to ask you that during the Q&A session, you limit your initial questions to two in order to allow as many people as possible to ask their questions. Thanks very much in advance for sticking to that rule. And now, without any further ado, over to you, Bjorn. Thanks. Uh, we all know that they will not stick to the two questions, but uh, we will try. Um, as you can see on the screen, uh, we start with the Women's World Cup. Uh, I hope you all follow it. Um, it's been a great tournament so far. Uh, unfortunately for us and for most people in the room, Germany lost. Uh, that means that we will only have five teams going to the next round. Uh, but still, I think starting with 10 and the way we look, extremely proud uh, of the, how the brand has showed up. Uh, as you can see, we had 10 out of the 30 teams starting in three stripes, uh, and we had more than 120 uh, players contracted, uh, and of course, many, many more playing in our shoes. Uh, and I think it's fair to say with uh, all the reports that I've seen, 1.6 uh, million spectators in the stadium and, you know, television ratings very high everywhere. Uh, this is the real breakthrough for women's uh, football. Uh, and of course, that's what they deserve. Uh, and also very, very important for us um, in the future. What is also new is that not only do we participate, but we also made different campaigns with different players and put the media money. Here you see Oberdorf, Fowler, Russell, English, Australian and German players that we have used um, in campaigns together and also individual. And then again in our strategy to be more local in the U.S., uh, our U.S. subsidiary has done a campaign with Trinity Rodman, one of the American players, who also happened to be the daughter of a famous Dennis Rodman who used to play in the Chicago Bulls uh, basketball team and was one of the great personalities. So again, <clears throat> just to sum up, women's soccer is coming. We play a major part. Uh, let's see how the tournament ends. Um, and uh, very, very excited to see uh, the development. Going over to business, um, I think you have probably seen all the numbers already, but we'll repeat them quickly. Uh, it was a quarter where I said, or we said, we think we were happy with the development. Uh, we're starting with the biggest problem, uh, that's North America. As you can see, minus 16 in the quarter, uh, minus 18 for the first half. Um, needless to say, you know this, there's still a lot of inventory in the market, not only ours, but also ours. And the problem is, of course, some of that inventory is not great. That means that the sale is slow, and we have to work through that for a while. And um, that because of that, also the discounts are high in general and also of our uh, products. Um, the good thing is that the team in America has reacted um, and has had what we call a conservative selling strategy, not pushing in more merchandise, but trying to do it very dedicated um, and of course uh, we have some very very good best sellers that is we are now starting to scale up which means that we hope we can turn it around to be something positive uh, and of course that will create more brand heat and we can get into 24 looking better uh, we'll get back to that in a second what is very positive in the u.s uh, is of course this uh, i mean messi deciding to go to miami you know helped by david beckham who's one of our which I say very, very close friends, has been fantastic. Uh, he scored now five goals in three games. 
and there's a real boom uh, after Miami products uh, and especially then, of course, Messi products. When you look uh, at the screen, you see also quite some, I would say, very innovative marketing that our team um, turned around and did in a very, very short time. I'm very, very proud uh, of what they have done. Uh, some critique that all the products are sold out, uh, but I think you understand that the explosion in the demand, you cannot, you know, uh, source 10,000 of jerseys or the products within days. So that will be, um, what should I say, higher demand and supply for a while. Uh, but sometimes that's good, uh, and I'm sure we will please the demand as the next weeks and months uh, passes. This has also caused us to renew um, the contract with uh, Leo. There was a question where he would go, and it took a little bit of time after the World Cup to get him to the table. But as you can see here, um, we have signed with him, and of course, he will be part of our family for a long, long time. What is also important in the U.S. is women's basketball. Um, as you can see in the middle, the exhibit select is a dedicated shoe only for her. Uh, using that shoe, you know, with all our, what should I say, star players, as you can see on the left side. And we are continuing to invest in more players because we really believe in the women's NBA. Um, and as a part of more focus on women's sports, this is extremely important for us um, in the American market. Changing to men's basketball, um, we know we have not performed the way uh, you would expect and also the way we should. Uh, but when you look at the roster, we have four signature players, Harden, Mitchell, Young, and Edwards, uh, which we know we can do and have to do a better job with. We have added Dick and Shifino uh, as two young guns. And then when we take that together with the launch of Fair God, which you see both on the performance side and on the lifestyle side, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, these products starting to flow into the market in the second half, being scaled in 24, we feel we are in a better shape um, in this business than we've been for a long time. And remember, the opening of the LA office, which happened in February, uh, that is not the productive office yet because the results of their work is, of course, not going to be visible uh, until 24. So a lot of activities going on between global uh, and uh, North American business to strengthen our business because, as you know, it's a very important market for us and the industry. Um, and when you look at the numbers, of course, um, we're not happy with the performance. But again, in a very, very difficult market where many are struggling. If you then go to Europe um, the, or Europe, EMEA, Europe, Middle East and Africa, flattish, uh, down one in Q1, plus two, second half. Um, again, here, numbers that we're not happy with. We should be stronger in the home market. Many reasons for this. But I think you will see in next year that we will start to build market share again by chasing more of the commercial business than we've done. A couple of important investments. Um, we uh, announced together with Manu that we have extended their contract long term. Very, very important for us to secure that right now. You know, Manchester is in talks also of changing owners. And we and the club felt it was very important to get this assured. Many numbers floating around. Um, I can only say, like I always say, the more we pay, the better it is. The contract has, you know, a retainer, which is fixed. It has royalties for how much we sell and bonuses um, for how they perform. So that means the more we pay, the better they have performed and the more we have sold. So let's hope that that will get um, a high, high sum. <laughs> 
A couple of news in Europe in soccer. We signed um, AS Rome, one of the most traditional uh, and, of course, with the most unique color um, in the league. Uh, very proud of that. Uh, we have gotten the traditional club Nottingham first back again in the Premier League. And then we have, um, again, signed Maccabi Haifi, uh, which is the best club um, in that country. So we continue to invest um, in football, and it is, of course, one of our most important uh, sports going forward. We talked also about Indian cricket. Um, again, India being probably the fastest growing market in our industry going forward, and cricket being uh, the major vehicle. <clears throat> it was then clear for us, although it was not part of the global strategy, that uh, when we got the chance, we would invest in the national team. And as you can see, they're already starting playing with our performance logo on three stripes, um, and of course they won, uh, and the whole market very excited. Uh, we think this will be a game changer in the Indian market. Continuing into a very important market that we talked a lot about, Greater China plus 16. Uh, remember, uh, we said uh, last uh, quarter that our sell-in was down, but sell-out was double-digit out. Now both sell-in and sell-out is double-digit up, uh, and that's why the plus 16 was in the quarter, but only plus one for the first half. And we see uh, the energy in China starting to pay out, uh, and as I said, double-digit sell-throughs now two quarters in a row um, confirms that. Um, what is also new, um, you know, we for a long time, for many reasons, have not been able to activate any, you know, major celebrities. We did uh, last week activate uh, Ma Sichun, which is one of the most famous actors in China. Uh, she's one of the winners of the so-called Golden Horse Award, which is the same as their Oscar. Uh, and she's been now both in social media and other media uh, promoting our product. And it's worked very well, so hopefully a breakthrough uh, that we can get back again and use um, the ambassadors the way uh, we can do optimal and not be so afraid of, of the impact. Cool thing, um, yesterday morning on the film set of a new movie, uh, before they started shooting, she showed up, of course, in the Samba, as you can see in black-white. Um, and then the track jacket, so um, she's also using our product um, in the spare time um, and, and a very, very positive development for us. We also sent our world champions, um, the Argentina national team and Messi to China. Uh, unbelievable interest, uh, crazy uh, amount of people showing up, uh, good for the brand, good for Argentina, good for Messi. So football, uh, also global symbols, very important in China. We are investing more and more in sports, even in athletics. Um, here an event that were actually done on the street, 20,000 people watching Chinese athletes doing different jump uh, competition, and it shows uh, that the interest in sports uh, in China is growing and that China is going back again to more normal times. And for us, um, uh, we clearly need to invest even more in sports than we have done uh, before. Another activity, mobile skate park, um, our uh, sales and marketing teams traveling around in China doing different uh, activities for the young generation uh, to connect with the street culture. And skate is one of the things that we see growing. Uh, skate and music together um, makes great atmosphere. Uh, and as you can see, a lot of people and a lot of, I would say, positive energy around these kind of events. On the totally other side, outdoor, um, we have talked about the outdoor boom uh, globally. Uh, this is also happening in China. Uh, Terex actually uh, started a series of ultra trail runs, I think 11 of them, 
And as you can see, 10,000 of Chinese then doing these kind of events and again uh, confirming um, the dedication to sports and also to outdoor activities. Um, and good to see that we can play that in China on many categories. What is also extremely positive is that the first time in three years um, there was a trade meeting again. Uh, our sales organization had more than 2,000 customers uh, at an event showing the collections for 24. And again, I think it's three years ago that was done physically last time. It was always digital. And as you can see, a great atmosphere. Um, and again, things starting to normalize and the way we used to do our business. Very important for us, the investment in the new distribution center that we open in Susho, um, highly technical, automated, um, and of course, uh, a major vehicle for us to do the growth that we plan and hope to have in the Chinese market. So to summarize, uh, difficult time in China, we see the improvements now two quarters in a row, um, and again, very proud of what the local team is doing uh, because, again, China is more local than it's been for a long, long, long time. If you then go to LATAM, uh, strong growth again, plus 30, um, plus 39 for the first half. Same here, a lot of activities, of course, around Argentina team. The Argentinian market has been very strong for us um, and, of course, helped by the success uh, of the national team and, of course, also Messi. But also on the women's football side, we had four of the teams from the region actually in the World Cup. And again, I don't need to say that I think, you know, the design team did a great job on some of this design. And the Colombian team, uh, you know, in my opinion, looked the best, also qualified for the next round. Um, I think they play Jamaica, so we have two of our coolest team playing each other in the next round. And at least one of them will then uh, go through. And again, women's football, uh, slow start in Latam, but also they're growing. And, and as football crazy the region is, this is very, very good for us. Another small thing, a lot of uh, local events and local products. On the left side, you see some of the SMUs uh, that have been made locally for the market. Uh, and then on the right side, you see some of the, what should I say, artists, uh, both from the rap side and dance and music side. Uh, that the local team are using. Um, and again, I've said it many, many times, uh, we need to be more local in our marketing. And I think the team in LATAM, you see also in the numbers, have done a terrific job on that. Even on retail, uh, trying out new concepts. Uh, here you see uh, actually a women's only shopping shop concept that they have developed. She being a major focus for us globally, but especially now in LATAM. Uh, and of course, as flexible we are, as we are, we let some of the markets take the lead on that, and, and the first indication, uh, very positive. Moving to the last region, um, Asia Pacific or APAC, 7% uh, up for the quarter, 11 for the first half. Uh, we are going to do some changes here. Uh, today, this region is run out of a headquarter in Singapore. It basically has three independent markets, Japan, South Korea, Thailand. And then it has two clusters uh, of uh, markets, Southeast Asia, as you can see, and then Pacific, which is, you know, New Zealand um, and Australia. Going forward, we are going to have Japan and South Korea as standalone markets going straight into headquarters. Why? Because both of these markets are very, very special. They're big markets. They're very trendy markets. And they're markets that set trends. And that's why we feel that having them in the region together with, I would say, other markets with different directions doesn't make any sense. So they will be tied into the global machine and be handled then separately as a region. 
The other uh, countries and clusters will then go to the emerging markets, very successful leadership that will then bundle them and find synergies. And they are sitting in uh, headquarters now in Dubai, but I'm sure they will have some kind of hub going forward also in Singapore. So a change that is strategic. And uh, we think that both Korea and Japan will see an immediate impact of that when they can be more independent um, and be quicker to market with what they actually need. Uh, we will also have, uh, you know, our development center, the creative center in Japan, working then very specifically for the Japanese uh, market. So to sum it up, um, both uh, second quarter and first half uh, were basically flat. Um, and this, uh, in our opinion, uh, quite better than what we had uh, expected um, a while ago. You would immediately ask, so what would the impact be excluding GC? And as you can see on the bottom, not big, uh, because the growth was flattish uh, with GC and excluding GC, we were down minus one. And if you look at the markets, no big differences between, you know, uh, with and without, except for North America, which then excluding GC was down minus 20 instead of 16. The rest of the impact, you know, between one and 2%, so uh, not that big of a difference, to be honest, um, that you might have expected. If you then look at the channels, um, wholesale uh, minus 10, um, and remember, we had an order book that was even worse than this, so of course we have picked up some, but we have said that we need to put a lot more effort on wholesale, but of course uh, for a while the numbers will be negative because that's what, uh, you know, the results of what we did last year is or was. Own retail, very strong, um, up 19%. Um, we have only uh, closed net 12 stores, you know, since last year, um, which means that uh, we have double-digit like-for-like growth all over the world um, and actually a very strong uh, development in our brick and mortar stores. Ecom up 14%. Of course, this is impacted by Yeezy. Remember, Yeezy was only sold in Ecom in the quarter, and you will see later what impact that had. So reported um, wholesale at 56%, D2C as 44%, and the difference between Ecom uh, and all retail only 2% by 23 and 21%. If you then look at the business without GC, wholesale then down only seven. Own retail the same, of course, because we didn't have any sales in own retail of GC. And then e-com goes from plus to minus one. Um, and um, that is then the impact that GC had, which gives you 61% wholesale, 39 to see. Uh, and again, I think this mix is also similar to what we will have going forward after GC. And as you can see, on retail 22 and e-com at 17. The positive thing of e-com is that also without EC, we have been much better in selling full price and not discounted. And I think we have a gross margin improvement of around 2% uh, also on the e-com business without EC. So there is an improvement by taking out uh, discount and using it also as a full price brand building uh, channel, which is going to be very important in the future. If you then look um, at the new stores, although we talk a lot about wholesale, we will, of course, continue um, our retail. We are experimenting with new, new retail concepts. Um, and as you can see here, open a flagship in Sydney uh, and also what we will call a big home of sports store in South Africa, here in Durban. 
We currently have around 1,940 stores um, in the company uh, divided between what you say um, concept stores and factory outlet value stores. Uh, and as I said, the change in number of stores is only minus 12 in the last 12 months. So basically the same amount of stores and the same size um, in square meters. And again, very impressed what the retail uh, teams have done. And I think when you look at the numbers, when we fill the stores with the right merchandise, um, you also see good numbers, which is a good indicator of, um, of what could happen if we get better distribution. So then to the division, footwear up one, apparel minus three. Uh, you know that the apparel market is, um, I would say, highly inventoried in general, uh, and you see that also here. And then maybe a positive surprise that accessories is up 8%. This growth is mainly from the football business, balls uh, and other accessories. So a positive development, and that gives you then 58% footwear, 34 apparel, and 8 accessories. And again, always say that footwear in a company like ours must be at least 50%, and 58 um, is very, very healthy. If you then look at the different categories and performance, performance in generally was up, and you see here football, Specialist sports, which includes the smaller sport, for example, tennis, and U.S. sports, which is what we do for the American market, all up. And then running, training, outdoor and golf, slightly down, all in the low single digits. Uh, explanation is easy. If you take North America out, you will see that everything is up except for outdoor, which is slightly down by 1% or 2% globally um, in a business that, of course, was growing very quickly before. So the only difference is um, the general downturn in the American market and takes some of the performance categories down, but in the rest of the world, uh, very positive. Soccer, of course, the DNA of the brand. Many of our teams doing well. Uh, you probably know this. Very proud that Mexico won the Gold Cup and that Italy, which is new in our portfolio, actually won the under-19 European Championship, which shows that they have a talented generation coming up. We have launched um, the home jerseys for our four major teams in Europe, uh, very traditional, as you would expect, but then we've been much, much more innovative um, and I would say uh, much more uh, creative on the way jersey. Um, and this, going forward, is going to be important. We will be more, uh, what should I say, local in our designs, and we will be more tied to the club and not try to do the same designs for all the clubs. And as you can see here, it's pretty um, different than what we have done before, and the reaction has been very, very good. Football boots, um, again, very good reaction to both Crazy Fast and Crazy Light. Uh, we have very, very good product. Um, and as I've said, um, the product for 24 will be even better. So very happy with that. Running, um, you know, the development the last two years on the real racing side, very good. New launches of both Adicero Boston and Adios. Uh, and again, these shoes are winning marathons every week. Um, Alberto, our running guy, um, has built a product and a sports market portfolio that works. But now we need to work on distribution. Um, and we will start to hire people again to go out in running specialty. You know, the brand left that part for a while um, and wanted to serve that digitally. Um, but you will now start to see us be much more active in running communities again and also have sales reps um, servicing running specialty. Track and field, uh, very, very important as the core in the Olympics and the core of all sports. 
uh, we, of course, um, have to invest more again to get back to more athletes uh, and more federation. That takes some time, uh, but the pipeline is already starting to fill up. Uh, many, many good athletes, especially on the female side, uh, also in what do you call new markets like India. Um, and we will look good in Paris, and we will continue then to pick up both athletes and federation as we go forward, because this is a place where Adi should dominate. A new launch in the quarter was Adidas Switch, um, probably the most comfortable running shoe uh, in the market uh, just out there. So if you want a comfortable shoe, um, then please try it. Uh, at least for me, it's the best uh, comfortable shoe I've had. Maybe not a running shoe uh, for the racer, uh, but for those who also are normal, um, this is the shoe. Um, so try it. Training, a category that, you know, is very interesting um, and where we are starting to invest again. Uh, we uh, partnered with Les Mills and had globally had a series of events. The last one in the right corner was last week in Los Angeles, where I think more than 10,000 people were doing activities with us and Les Mills. Again, we have the product, um, a lot of innovative product, both for her and him, uh, but we've not been good in distribution, uh, and we believe that this is one of the avenues where we can get growth with the normal sports uh, stores all around the world. Outdoor, talked a lot about it. Um, as you could see, only flattish development, but of course, you, we had great uh, growth last year. Terex, um, as an innovation outdoor brand, won four ISPO awards, so very proud of that. That means that the product is right, and now we need to also there work on distribution and get it placed more in the right wholesale environment. Talking about outdoor and Terex, uh, you know, our female ambassador, Michaela Schifrin, won the ESPUI award for the best female athlete. Um, you know, this is the award that the American ESPN is giving out. And we also won um, with Patrick Mahomes the men's award, so both the best female and the best male um, athlete was uh, Adidas award. So very, 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 very proud of that. Talked about golf, important, um, boomed during COVID, uh, slowed down, stagnated a little bit afterwards. Uh, we have Rose Chang, who went straight from being an amateur to win her first professional tournament. And as I said many times, golf is, in the, especially in the U.S., a very important category for us, and we will continue to invest both on the female and, and male side. A uh, sport we don't talk a lot about, volleyball, uh, but a big sport, especially in the U.S. Um, here you can see that the Nations League, which is kind of the World Cup for national teams, we were in the final with both teams, China and Turkey, um, and Turkey actually won. Uh, but that means, again, here, both on apparel and on footwear, um, a category that we will also invest more in, together with investment in more smaller sports to be the leaders that we used to be. Quickly over to lifestyle. Uh, for the first time, I think in many quarters, um, the original side was positive. Um, also, when you take Yeezy out, it was kind of flattish, I think down only 1% or 2%. So a positive development on that side. The sportswear side, which is then mainly the product that is a little bit lower priced in price, still down, uh, but the minus uh, becoming uh, less and less. Activities here was, for example, in the Paris Fashion Week, um, where we both had a, a collab uh, fashion show with Wales Bonner. Uh, we had, you know, with our friend Pharrell, uh, a Samba Cafe, with product that he had co-designed with us, 
And then we used actually our marathon runners, as you see on the right side, and, and also long-distance runners as models, uh, and a very cool, I would say, atmosphere that we created um, at the Paris Fashion Week. And you will see us more in this environment going forward. Uh, needless to say, with Pharrell actually working out of Paris, uh, we hope we can do a lot of cool stuff with him going forward. Quickly, Yeezy, um, you know we had a very successful first drop. Harm will get more into it, but we sold around 400 million in Q2, which is basically the same as we did a year ago. Um, the whole launch worked very well. We are currently, as we speak, in a second drop. Um, you see the 10 models that we have offered this week, um, and we will uh, you know, have smaller drops going forward too. But as we said from the beginning, we will not report this or take any of this revenue into account until we have it in the box. We've been very careful with this and will continue uh, with that. Um, and I hope you agree with that strategy because you know, six months ago, people said we should burn destroy the product uh, and now we have you know found ways of selling it and we can use uh, you know part of that uh, revenue to actually do something good in society and instead of writing off the inventory we can actually create cash uh, i'm very proud how the team has worked on that so far quick look on the product side i've said this many times the terrace uh, trend is continuing and we're scaling it up uh, the number of pairs in the market is still small uh, but the consumer who buys it is absolutely the right trendsetter. So we're scaling that up with bigger volumes uh, every month. And then we also have the campus um, that is being, you know, um, highly in demand, and that is also picking up. When you combine that with what we call Color, which is our three-stripe original apparel, very colorful, very clearly trefoil and three-stripe branded, we think this is going to trend very, very heavily going forward. And then going into next year, uh, you will see that we will add the 70s running, which are the running silhouettes uh, that mirrors what we're doing on Terrace. And with our archive uh, and the models we have there, we think that this is spot on to create brand heat again for both our logos, which is the performance logo on the left side, and then, of course, the trifold on the right side. So again, a quarter that developed uh, as we had hoped. Um, the Yeezy thing was something we were nervous about that worked. And we've seen, you know, our inventories uh, go in the right direction, and we feel um, that the business is slowly moving in the right direction in a very difficult uh, and, of course, very volatile and uncertain environment. So with that, I hand over to Harm to take you to the details of the financials. All right. Thank you, Björn, and uh, warm welcome and good morning and good afternoon from my side. So I would like to go into the financial update and decompose the P&L and some working capital balance sheet items um, to give you some more clarity on um, probably some of you would say a more complicated guidance that we had out there, so I want to shed some light into this one. So I want to start with the net sales, and of course we want to grow uh, the net sales faster in the future, but I think there are three things that I want to focus on uh, today. One is um, gross profit percentage, and what is the health of this one? Then of course our cost development and cost control initiatives that we have, and then the health of our inventory, and these are the three things that I want to focus on, and I'm pretty sure this is what you are interested in as well. So I want to start with the gross, gross uh, you know, margin or gross profit. Uh, the most important number here is the 50.9%. Um, in that uh, quarter, um, 60 basis points up, and what's important here, and I come to that on the next chart, is what is the impact of Yeezy um, in that you know, gross margin. If I start on the left-hand side, 
Um, we still had a headwind on FOB to increases, um, headwind on FX, um, you know, based on the hedging that we have done many, many quarters ago, um, heavily discounting still, um, first in the first quarter, but uh, definitely partially in the second quarter as well. Um, it was neutral from an inventory provisioning point of view because we did a lot of that in the first quarter, and I come back to that on the next chart. But positive mix uh, and pricing effects, especially in markets where we have high inflationary scenarios, we did a lot of pricing increases when we talk about you know, Argentina, or Turkey, or some of the more volatile markets. The mix has definitely benefited also by you know full price sell-through where we've been very disciplined on our D2C channels. So overall, positive development. And then importantly, if you take out the easy effect because you're interested in what is the underlying gross margin without Yeezy because that's an indication for the future. So it roughly has been two you know, basis points. So the 50.9 would have been a 48.9. If you have some puts and takes on the margin on one loss, um, I would say it's a, it's a fair 48.5% margin, underlying margin that we have without Yeezy and some puts and takes, which is a good indication um, you know, for the future. If I compare that with Q1 to Q2, also there, Yeezy had an impact, but you also see that uh, discounts um, have improved. We have been less promotional. As I just mentioned, an inventory allowance was not you know, built further in the second quarter because we covered in the first quarter, and we had a you know, positive mix effect, even excluding Yeezy. Um, that is also important, so excluding Yeezy, a positive mix. So if I just combine um, these four elements, it explains you know, five percentage points out of the 600 you know, basis points improvement. So overall, again, very disciplined in our D2C channels, not just in retail, but most importantly, also in e-commerce, which is a clear signal to our wholesale accounts that we want to grow um, you know, and accelerate the growth going forward, that we are disciplined in our own channels. So definitely on the first KPI, a positive development. If we then continue on the on the cost side, uh, slightly down on the marketing, um, but more importantly, when we look at the operating overheads, uh, even so, reported we are seven percent up. But I also want to be clear: there's an extraordinary, you know, item of 160 million in there. 50 million of that would be classical one-offs that would be accounted against the 200 million in our guidance, and then it would leave 110 million, which is actually donations that we have paid already in the second quarter, but also an accrual of 100 million of donations, which will be you know, paid over the next couple of quarters or even years uh, into the right communities for the right purpose. So 110 million of donations um, built into the Q2 P&L. So if I would take that out, and there haven't been, you know, any significant one-time cost uh, last year, we actually would be below the prior year uh, on a quarterly level. This all results in an operating profit of 176 million. Um, of course, Yeezy had an impact of net of donations of 150 million, but again, underlying slightly better than we originally had guided, and we are making, you know, progress on a small um, you know, bottom line, but um, we're at least making progress. When we come to the inventories, um, 
only 1% up-reported, 6% currency neutral, um, also there, good progress. And you see more clearly the progress on the next page. On the left-hand side, you see the development by quarter compared to prior year. We always said we peaked in Q3 last year. You see 63% up compared to the um, comparable quarter, then only 49% up, then 27% up, and now only 6% up currency neutral. Um, and we look at the absolute amounts, 6.3 billion was the peak um, at the end of September last year. Now we are have been down at 6 billion at the end, 5.7, 300 million better by the end of Q1, and now only 5.5 billion. And in the 5.5 billion, as you know, still 400 million of easy inventory, which is higher than, you know, the comparable quarter in 22. So really, if you would take the easy out, um, we actually would be below prior year quarter already. So very clearly today, I say inventory is not uh, from a size point of view, our biggest issue. Of course, as Bjorn said, in North America, it's still in the market, um, but we're definitely making good, good progress on the inventory. When we then go further on the inventories, of course, the accounts receivable are slightly down, uh, linked to the 10% decline in the wholesale business, and uh, most importantly, on the accounts payable, significantly down um, uh, by, by more than a billion. That's an indication that the inventory will come further down in the third quarter, um, uh, based on how we finish it right now, because the payables are a good indication of what you will see in the next you know, couple of months which not just will impact the inventories, but also our cash situation. Talking about cash, um, we have uh, finished the quarter with $1 billion, uh, on cash on the balance sheet, uh, down compared to last year, but significantly improved to where we have been six months ago. Also, that is something um, we are very happy how we are progressing, and that will continue to improve in the third quarter. All of this... Um, led to an updated guidance. I want to decompose that guidance again, because I said earlier it was somewhat complicated this year. Um, starting with the currency neutral net sales, we originally said it's a high single-digit decline, assuming we don't sell any easy inventory. Now we started to sell some easy inventory, so the new guidance is a mid-single-digit uh, decline only, um, and that is reflecting the 400 million um, you know, first drop of the easy and a slightly, you know, better underlying, you know, business on the other side as well. So that led to the change on the top line. Underlying, we always said we are a break-even company. Um, if we wouldn't account for any easies, uh, and we will continue to be a break-even company, even so we are slightly better on the top line and on the bottom, bottom line, but this is where we are and the guidance is unchanged. Now, from an operating loss point of view, we said the guidance is minus 700 million. This would have been 500 million potential write-off of the easy inventory and 200 million one-off cost. So if you're a break-even company, adding these two things up, we would be reported minus 700 million. That was the old guidance. Now the new guidance, as we have sold roughly 100 million of the inventory, so the maximum write-off could only be 400 million. The one-off costs are the same, and we said it's already 50 million in the second quarter and 70 million in the first half, so we are on track to move towards the 200 million. And Yeezy had a positive impact in the second quarter of 150 million, so if you add it all up, we're moving from minus 700 million to a new guidance of minus 450 million. This is only accounting for the first drop, and of course, um, if you would be successful with the second drop, uh, we would look at that guidance again. But that's where we are. I hope it's clear, but I'm pretty sure we'll get some questions on that later on. But I want to hand over to Bjorn again to make some more comments.
Yeah, a great uh, explanation, Harm. Uh, I'm sure you're all saying this is conservative, and, and yes, it is, but I think we all agree that we have promised you that we will only report on things that are happening, and with the uncertainty around EC, we will not account or tell anything about EC until we sold it, um, and we have things in our pocket, and I hope you understand that. Of course, we all hope that we will continue to sell and things will go smooth. Uh, we also hope, of course, that there is some more improvement in the underlying um, Adidas business. Uh, but I think you all agree that we take step by step. Uh, and again, that 23 is just about, uh, what should I say, lay the ground uh, for a better 24 and then for a good 25 and 26, as we said um, all the time. A couple of more um, infos that is important for you to understand us as a company. Uh, you know uh, that we have the purpose of, through sport, change um, people's life. Uh, and we're doing a lot of activities um, outside of what you normally see. Uh, the one on the bottom, uh, the Special Olympics in Berlin, was a highlight uh, for me personally. I think for many of us, uh, first we had a lot of the athletes here on campus. Uh, and then we saw them compete in Berlin, which was great. Uh, and with small investments, you can help a lot of people. Uh, we continue um, to work hard uh, on helping, you know, the planet on the sustainability side, um, different activities where we collect money uh, and give it to people that work on that side, in addition to all the things we do ourselves. And then a thing we did in China, Run in the Dark, where blind people are also uh, being uh, taken for runs and can participate in sports through things that we are investing in and we are helping. And, and these are only a few of the activities, but important that we as a sports company think about inclusion also on the things for the people that doesn't have um, it as easy as, as we have. Uh, we talked about uh, the donations. Um, we have in the second quarter paid around 10 million in donations. And in addition to that, harm has accrued for another 100 million. These 100 million, uh, our proceeds uh, out of uh, the year business or the easy business that we will use, especially for those organizations that works uh, against hate and discrimination, and of course also uh, for uh, you know communities that has been hurt by the things that happened. Uh, and then in addition, we will continue uh, to donate uh, for sustainability uh, projects. In um, that context, I would like to mention that, you know, we are working with ADL, we are working with the Kita Floyd Institute, we are working with the European Jewish Association, and of course with many others uh, around the world. I would also mention that we now work with Robert Kraft um, and his foundation to combat anti-Semitism. Uh, you know, Robert is a very, very knowledgeable guy in the industry, uh, coming from sports, uh, and is investing a lot of time and resources to, to work against hate. And we will do quite some projects with him because we are very impressed by what he's doing um, and we think we can do a lot of good things together. So you will see more of that uh, going forward. And then just a couple of slides. Uh, you know, we have a fantastic facility here in Herzl. Um, we built Home Ground, which is an hotel for the German national team when they were here during the last championship. We are now using that for other teams. So in the last couple of months, we have had the German Ski Federation or the biathletes here. We've had the women's national team here preparing for the tournament. We had Arsenal here for a week. We had Ajax here for a week. 
And we had a lot of the Special Olympics athletes training here. I think we also had the German referees here. And we will go forward um, almost every week, uh, have teams or individual athletes living on campus and training because we have the best gym, I think, in Germany and, and the best facilities in general. And this is the way our campus should be, um, you know, taking a mixture of employees, um, world stars and, and, and other athletes uh, living on campus is very, very special, and I'm very proud of that. We have also tried, uh, you know, to bring the old Adidas energy back on campus. Um, a lot of town halls. Uh, we've had a lot of athletes, coaches. You see some of them here. We have wrote to the records where world-class athletes are trying to set world records on the campus. We've had soccer tournaments. Uh, we have had world stars talking to us. Uh, we had Fan Fest now during um, the Women's World Cup. And all these things is, again, to bring back what at least I know uh, Adi used to be, you know, a place for sports uh, fanatics and people that has a big Adidas heart. And not only in Herzl, but all over the world, uh, this is how we would like um, Adidas to be seen. And, and we feel we're on the way of getting, you know, that spirit um, back again. Final thing, um, as you probably have seen from our announcement, we had a change um, in the board. Uh, Michelle has taken Amanda's place. Um, she is now in charge of all HR. Um, she is legally not in our board yet. Um, we have said it's interim on the legal side, but she has all the duties um, and all the tools that Amanda had. And then uh, at the end of the year, we will then sit down with Michelle and hear if she wants to continue with it forever um, or long term. Um, and uh, I'm sure that we have a very, very, very strong uh, HR leader uh, that has the DNA both from Adidas and the industry. So with that, um, again, for us, a quarter that confirms we're on the right direction. We still have a lot of work to do, but I think we all feel more comfortable than we did a quarter ago. Um, and in a volatile world, we feel that we have a good uh, basis to work from to get where we all um, need to, to be. So with that, I hope um, you have some questions. Uh, not as difficult as the sport you see on the screen, because that's at least my most difficult sport. Uh, but I hope we can handle uh, your questions better than I handle my swing. So with that, over to you. Yeah, thanks very much, uh, Björn. Thanks very much, Harm. Um, yeah, we're going to move to the Q&A session, and you've heard it from Björn that, uh, you know, he was questioning your ability to stick to the two-question rule. So uh, now it's up to you to prove that this is a well-behaving crowd. Um, let's see how that develops. And with that, over to you, Francie. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, we will begin the question and answer session. Anyone who wishes to ask a question may press star, followed by one. If you wish to remove yourself from the question queue, you may press star, followed by two. One moment for our first question, please. Our first question is from Warwick Ochnes from BNP. Please go ahead with your question. Thanks very much. Um, I've got two. I'll, I'll stick to that. Um, the, the first question is around distribution. Um, this quarter, you've talked about uh, sort of stable number of retail doors, and, and last quarter, you talked about reducing the the Chinese num uh, number of doors and that, that that work had taken place. When you look at your distribution broadly and, and globally, uh, where, where do you think um, you want to get to? Do you want to increase the number of wholesale doors in, in particular and, and is retail stable? Uh, and then the second question is around um, product. Uh, last quarter, uh, Bjorn, you said that you were starting to smell the comeback of Superstar. Could you just update us on, uh, on the brand heat of, of that product, please? 
Um, well, it's two questions, but there's long answers. Um, um, the distribution around the world is, of course, not optimal. I think what you referred to China is that we said we reduced, I would say, 2,000 plus um, partner stores. You know, we are working uh, the wholesale market in China is that our retail partners are opening uh, Adidas stores um, and they have had during COVID reduced the number of doors um, and the direction also goes to open bigger stores. Uh, so even if you reduce uh, the number of stores, uh, the space you have available could be the same, um, but it's also been a cleanup on the Chinese side. Our number of owned and operated stores, that means those who are Adidas branded and we run uh, and own uh, are stable around, I think it's 1,940, and, and the change is only around, I think, 12 stores in 12 months, and, and that's stable. I don't see any huge difference in that going forward. We will open concept stores in those cities and markets where we feel that it's a good investment. We will open commercial doors in those markets who doesn't have a good uh, multi-branded, uh, what should I say, retail market like India. Um, and then we will open, you know, value stores in those markets where that is, uh, what should I say, um, underpenetrated. But I, I don't see a huge difference in the number of our own stores in the next 12 months. When it gets to distribution with our retail partners, I think it's fair to say that first we need better distribution in their stores. There's many retailers today, I think because we went D2C and we didn't service that well, who doesn't look as good as they could if they had the right products on the wall. If you go to our showroom and you see our lifestyle collection and our commercial collection, and I would also say running in other categories, uh, if that had been in the stores, um, our performance and the retailer's performance would have been much better than it is today. So this is back again to servicing the wholesalers um, and retail partners in a way that they get the best Adidas product on the wall that they can have. Uh, and it's not necessarily the number of doors, although there are also in certain markets um, a, a bigger opportunity to have more doors, but it's mainly about looking better with the retailers that we're already in, but where the amount of Adidas product compared to what it was five years ago is, in my opinion, much, uh, much um, um, too, too small. Um, and then the other question was Superstar. Well, this is a difficult one, as you can see, Terrace is now very hot and it's being scaled to be commercial. Um, hopefully, you know, that will go on for the next 12 to 18 months. Um, the campus that you saw is not a Terrace shoe, but it's a suede shoe that is kind of in between uh, Terrace and Superstar. And currently now we're cleaning up Superstar. So we see that Superstar in black, white, white, black is trending very well in the fashion area. And in those markets that have had the bigger volumes of Superstar, we're trying to get that out of the market so the market will be clean. And then there is a natural development that you go from Terrace, um, you go to campus, then you go to 70s running, which we think will be scalable second half of next year. And then going into 25, you should not be surprised if Superstar will be a hot shoe again. So we will start to heat that shoe up in um, the higher end of the market. Uh, and do collabs with it to kind of have that in the pocket um, to, to be behind the Taras and then 70s running. Um, so I hope that answer your question. The timing of these things is not always planable, right? So you build um, kind of a sequence and then depending on what happens, uh, you will then scale it uh, at the time when it's ready to be scaled. Got it, thanks Bill. The next question comes from Susanna Push from UBS. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you for taking my question. So 
Uh, I'll try to stick to two, but I have also one clarification, so it shouldn't hopefully count. So uh, first of all, on um, retail, so thank you for sharing all the figures, XDZ. That's, that's very helpful. So just to understand, so I presume you said on retail was plus 21% XDZ. Uh, E-commerce, I think, was slightly down. But if we just look sequentially, total retail XDZ in Q2, uh, versus Q1, again, XEZ, so just added as brand. Can you share with us what's been the sequential improvement? I don't know if I get to the, let's say, right estimate that it improved broadly mid-single digit um, versus Q1. Um, so it would be very helpful if you could share a little bit about that. Um, then secondly, that's a question more for Harm. I think, Harm, you mentioned that 48.5% uh, margin Excluding easy is a good indication, and I think you mentioned for the future. Uh, how should we read it? Is this how we should think about it for the full year, or you know, any clarification around that would be helpful? Because I presume in the midterm you could get to a higher number. And then, uh, thirdly, that's not a question, but just a follow-up. I think you mentioned the reorganization of APAC. So I just wanted to clarify if if it's just you know kind of reorganization reorganization of the business. Or are you going to actually restate the, the regional figures going forward? Sorry, I'm asking, but there's been quite a few restatements in the past. So I just want to know what we should be ready for. Thank you. Well, let me start, Susanna, on the margin, and, and I can also talk about the uh, APEC reorganization to clarify that. So first on the margin, again, I, I indeed said 48.5% is a good underlying margin that is clean for the second quarter. That is not necessarily the margin for the full year 23 or for the second half because we have some headwind uh, on the strong U.S. dollar that we have seen you know, six to 12 months ago. Um, but it's an indication for 24 where we say – uh, with the dollar normalizing at around, you know, 110 or 112 in that ballpark, um, if that is, you know, stable and the world is uh, stable and we have cleaned the inventory, which is, which is our plan. So it's not an indication for 23, but it is uh, neither a guidance nor anything, but it's an indication for 24 and not for the midterm. We always said for the midterm, which is 25, 26, we want to be north of 50%, right? So that's on the on the gross margin. And on APEC, um, the question was uh, whether there's any additional uh, cost, I believe you ask. Um, again, we want to focus on Japan and Korea, which gets dedicated support from the headquarter to have the right products into these markets, and uh, the rest of the markets will be integrated in emerging markets. So um, if there are some additional costs through that restructure, it would be part of the $200 million uh, one-time cost. Uh, no, sorry, just to follow up, I didn't mean cost. I meant if you're going to actually restate the way you present the region. Uh, we don't know yet. It's too early to say because uh, we want to see how we cluster the region, so uh, not decided yet going into 24. For okay. 23, we remain as is. Okay. The next question comes from Graham. No, 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 no. I'm we sorry. didn't answer. We didn't answer the retail one. Um, I think you asked about the, the retail uh, growth Q1, Q2. Q1 was uh, plus 11, and Q2 was plus 19. So you see an acceleration in the performance in basically the same amount of stores. I think that was the question. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. Perfect.
Now, Francie, we can go to the next question, please. Okay, which is from Graham Renwick from Berenberg. Please go ahead with your question. Uh, hello, uh, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my question. Just firstly on DTC, um, what was the growth specifically in DTC sales in the US, EMEA, and China, and, and how did that compare versus Q1? And just to confirm a, a small part B to the question, um, DTC was about 40% of sales in Q2. I think you mentioned earlier that is the right mix now for the business. So going forward into 24 and beyond, should we expect that 60-40 mix and for retail and wholesale growth to, to be more balanced? And just on the terrace shoes, um, you've obviously talked about the extraordinary demand for Samba, also Gazelle Campus, although relatively small volumes at the moment. How quickly should we be expecting uh, Samba and the terrace shoes to be ramping up in the second half and into 24? I, I think previously you said that Samba's you know, perhaps started the year at a few hundred of thousands of units, maybe going to one million this year. But what could it look like next year? You know, could it be you know, in the order of 15, 20 million units that we saw for Superstar back in 2016? So any sort of numbers or, or help there would be uh, very useful. Thank you. Um, I think you can basically say that the D2C numbers have double-digit growth in all markets. I mean, that I think that's the simplest way of looking at it. The sell-through has been, I would say, at that level everywhere. Um, I think that's the easiest way of saying it. And when I when I looked at the proportion, I said to you that the D2C business, um, if you excluded EC, was 39, so wholesale was 61. And if I had it in, um, it was 44 and 56. And I, I think having D2C between 40 and 35% is where we're going to have it if we have an optimal sell-in to the retailers. Uh, but, you know, this is, of course, now in Q2 <laughs> skewed because of Yeezy came in again. And so Yeezy was only D2C, um, and, of course, that, that skewed the numbers. But, but I would say between 35 and 40 is where um, D2C uh, should be. When it gets to the scalability of, of the different products, um, you know, it is true that um, I think the original plan for Adi was not to scale Samba almost this year at all. Uh, but then when we saw the heat um, in January, February, we decided to scale it. Um, and uh, it has been scaled every month. But the real volumes that has any impact on the business is coming as you speak. Uh, so you will start to see Samba's also on the shelf so you can actually buy it because I think in most markets that they have always been sold out and there's all, 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 all only been broken sizes um, in the different stores. How big Taras can be? Yes, it can be uh, in in uh, bigger than 10, 15 million pairs. Of course it can. Um, and, I, and I think that when you add then the um, 70s running, which I think is, you know, the silhouette that is missing in the market, um, which then is the same kind of trend, but, uh, you know, a second pair for you or it's another customer, I think we will have two, uh, what should I say, silos that we uh, as a brand can own. And then you have then Superstar. Uh, and, and again, when the cycle is full, you will be back again to Stan Smith at a while, and then we can start to turn it. And the test for us is, of course, that we can manage these franchises in a better way, both the way we scale it and the way we distribute it, and that we keep it out of discount in our own channels. And very proud to see that when Ecom in Europe has been able to be clean now on discounts on these franchises since beginning of the year. U.S. has been a little bit different. Uh, China has also been a little bit different because of, you know, the retail events. 
but we clearly, clearly see that the discipline uh, to actually scale up in e-com for us has started to work. Same, of course, in the concept stores, um, and that we feel we're starting to get control on the way we manage this, which is going to be crucial um, through 24 and going into 25 and, and further to be a profitable, good leaders that you want it to be. So first steps taken. Uh, also, as Harm said, very, uh, what should I say, uh, happy and impressed that the discipline in our buying has worked. You know, you can see it in the inventory, you can see it in the payables, um, that people have not been overbuying, and, and we have a process now that people follow. Uh, actually, to a degree that we now need to make sure that we have enough good inventory to grow from next year, um, but that's a good problem to have uh, compared to being over-inventoried and then, you know, uh, have a lot of discount also in our own channel. So so things are improving slowly, um, and we're starting to get a little bit more handle on, on how we can handle it in the future. That's great. Thank you very much. The next question is from Jürgen Kolb. Please go ahead with your question. Thanks very much. Uh, trying to behave and uh, limit myself to two questions. Uh, first one on running. Um, uh, Bjorn, you indicated that uh, running overall was down. Um, and if we would uh, take out the U.S., it, it was up nevertheless. However, I'm, I'm a bit surprised to see the whole category to be down, um, and apparently it must have been down quite a bit in, in the U.S. because you obviously had a lot of new products coming to the market. Um, so has there been any specific adjustments that you uh, had to do with it on the distribution side, or uh, was that broadly expected? Um, for the uh, second quarter in this specific category. And then secondly, we, you talked a lot about uh, product innovations and product uh, introductions. Do you think you've changed something in the overall product lifecycle management within the company that is coming through as of now for the future? Or is it basically still the same, just doing a little bit more or a better execution? Thank you. Um, I, I think when you look at the running market, um, there is no doubt that the running collections, um, in my opinion, and I think also the market are good enough, um, both from the top uh, and also into the commercial area, although the investment has been on the higher end. And that's why we have signed a lot of runners. We have signed a lot of events, uh, and we have designed you know, a lot of high-end uh, products. Um, and, of course, that investment has not filtered down in the commercial area yet. But I think this is the right sequence, you know, make sure you have a product that works. They can set records. They can win um, marathons and 5Ks and 10Ks. Then put them on the best athletes, you know, both female and male, and then show that it works. And then you start to scale your distribution. That we down uh, because of North America is not really, uh, what should I say, a surprise uh, because America is the most difficult market for us to sell into currently because the market is full. Um, and that's why was partly expected, to be honest with you. I think the, the key now is to invest in a running specialty. That means, again, servicing the smaller accounts, uh, invest in the running communities. Uh, and then actually have you know salespeople on the on the on the road again that is servicing these accounts because that was taken away and I think that is the the key and the game changer to get volume again and 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 then we can scale and actually do uh, you know I say running shoes to walk in at price points in a much much bigger scale and and we start to see that that demand is coming on uh, and you know that is shoes that never people run in but they come out of the running category. 
and it's being sold in the family channel. We haven't chased that business yet, but are starting to do that now. And, and, and that's why I think you will see the running category next year being in, in green. Um, when it gets to um, the, the whole innovation pipeline, I think it's fair to say the following, and, and this is a kind of a joke, but um, the innovation department here has actually a task to bring things to the market as long as I'm here. Um, that means that uh, ideas that they think will be after my time, they don't need to work on. So it's like the pressure is to bring things to market. Um, and we are going through the innovation pipeline every month together with the business units. Um, and there is a lot of innovations that are now, uh, you know, ready to be launched or ready to go into to the market. The test is then how much can the market take. Um, and that is in materials, it's in silhouettes, it's in plates, it's in lasts, um, it is in constructions. Um, and, you know, the innovation team is now led by our credit director. So uh, Alistair, who, you know, has been here with a year, um, heads up design and innovation. And that's why part of, of innovation is now also design. I mean, let's face it that innovation is not always a new material or a new technology, but also the way you design things and the way it looks. So I'm actually very happy with that. And as I said to you before, the pipeline in performance was good before I came in. Uh, it was just that the product was not necessary in the market. Um, so um, I feel that Audi um, in the major categories has the product little bit question mark in basketball if we have all the ingredients yet, but in the rest of the categories, I think the product is there. Uh, and then, of course, it's about distribution and how we market it. And then we need to add all the smaller sports again so that we will have, you know, the best weightlifting shoe and the best wrestling shoe and, and you know, all the best uh, special shoes in the Olympics because we have the facilities. You know, we even have our own factory in Scheinfeld who can do it. Uh, and and uh, designers and developers loves to work on this uh, kind of products, and they have again an effect on the rest of the collection. So, I, I think you will start to see that we're working the way Audi used to do it. You know, make the best product for the best athletes, and then commercialize it. And I, I think that's just I'm I'm the what should I say? Uh, opening the door again to work the way Audi should work and and has worked in the past. Um, I think that's the difference. Very good. Understood. Best of luck. Thanks, guys. Are you depressed about Germany? <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, there's a, there's, there is a picture, unfortunately. Huh? Uh, well, we, we, need a, we need a meeting with the FBA. We are calling them tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Take care. All right. The next question is from Edward Aubin from Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead with your question. Yeah, good afternoon, guys. Thank you for taking my question. So, so two for me as well. Um, the first one is on the cost to compete, uh, Bjorn. So I think, if I'm not mistaken, your ANP is around 11.5% of sales in, uh, in, Q, in Q2. And I think that's uh, in the past, you said it's the level you, you, you tend to, to keep broadly stable. I mean, recently, the, the market leader was, uh, you know, kind of indicated that they wanted to step up in terms of this, uh, this area of ANP, and I know it's not completely comparable in terms of how things get measured, but, you know, to what extent are you seeing an impact or expected to see an impact? I think you guys just signed, you know, Manchester United, you know, a few days ago for a $1.2 billion deal, if I'm not mistaken. So that that be curious to have your views on, on, on that, on the cost to compete. And then, so just to come back on the performance. So I think in, in the you know recent years you've you've lost share in, in some of the big sports like you know soccer and running, and we just talked about running. But you know, can you just help us understand or, or, or quantify roughly 
kind of the magnitude of the share, you know, change and how big uh, these franchises are, you know, within the footwear, you know, uh, market. Because you guys have some estimates, obviously, and and and, but but for investors and analysts, you know, we kind of sometimes struggle to size, you know, how how big these opportunities could be if you went back to the uh, the previous market share you had in some of these categories. Thank you. Uh, I'll start with the first one. I think the, the cost to compete, I, I don't really see any any rising prices right now. I think there's a big question mark where, you know, professional sport is going when it gets to the, to the price level. But at least what I feel is that, you know, the most expensive ones are always getting more expensive, but the other ones are basically on the same price level. Um, so I haven't seen any any uh, what's was the impact uh, of, of, of what you just said not also from competitor to be honest um, the, the the Manchester United and the club deals and the big federations of course always had an increase but you have to remember that they are tied to performance uh, and, and it's easy uh, to sign contracts that says you know if you're Ballon d'Or you get a lot of money because there's only one who can win Ballon d'Or or you say Champions League has a huge bonus because only can one can win it so so there is some tricks in the in the in the basket that can blow up the values of certain contracts because it tells about the possibility that people can can get but not everybody can get it. Um, I feel that between you know 10 and 12 and, and between 11 and 12 percent is where a brand should be. Um, of course, I haven't been here so long, so I can't just uh, you know justify all the investments or say how efficient it is. But I have the feeling we have enough money to be what Adidas should be um, when, when I look at the budgets. But, but again, maybe I know more in, 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 in half a year. When it gets to the categories and market shares, it's a little bit different because um, the way people classify products is very, very different. Uh, I mean, you know the running category is a blown-up category. Most running shoes are not being used for running. Uh, I think in the U.S., MPD says that every American has 4.3 pairs of running shoes. I mean, do you know all Americans doesn't run? The same with basketball. I mean, is Superstar a basketball shoe or is Air Force One a basketball shoe? So I'm very careful with market shares uh, in the different categories because the way people classify shoes are very different. What we know is that when you're successful in basketball performance, it has an impact on your classic court business. So we need to be on court in basketball to be strong in our classic business. Um, we need to be in performance running to be a sportsman, and they also sell a lot of takedown shoes in the family channel. So, so we need to take you know market share on the performance side, um, and then we need to what should I say capitalize on that um, in the leisure market, and that's the strategy. And and the weight of this is different from market to market. Um, I think that Adi left uh, the special distribution for a while for different reasons, and, and especially in running, you need to be there to activate, uh, you know, your your products in the running community. And, and I think, uh, you know, in hindsight, maybe we shouldn't have done that. In soccer, Adi has always been in the specialty side and done a good job. Um, I think the product now is better than it's been before, and as I said, 24 is very, very good. Uh, outdoor, I think we can scale distribution because it's getting more mainstream and, and, and we be working on that. And then I think in basketball, it's like, uh, you know, the difference between the classic uh, side, uh, which are going on the street, and then the performance side is, of course, very, very big 
when it gets to the product, um, but the connection is there. We need to connect to the 15-year-old kid in the U.S. on court or NBA to actually sell our classic shoes. And I think that's where we have to do a better job, and that's why both the classic side and the performance side is sitting in L.A. now um, with new designers, with new people, some of them ex-EC people working on that. And, and again, if you put you know the right people from the right culture to do the product, um, then the chances are that they will do it better than if if you do it uh, from another place. So, so we feel we have all the tools to 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 crack these things, um, and we just need a little bit of time to actually make it happen. Uh, it's easy in PowerPoint, but it's more difficult to actually get it done, and it takes time, and you need to have a little bit patience with us. Okay, thank you. Next question is from Anisha Sherman from Bernstein. Please go ahead. Thank you. Um, I have two questions, please. My first one is about the China business. Last quarter, you noted that there's still a channel inventory issue in China, and it's going to take a couple of quarters to normalize. We're now seeing you grow your sell-in, and you've had strong growth margins. So. Um, does that mean that you're in better position on channel inventory, and do you have an update of when you expect it to normalize? Wow, that, that was only one question. Good. Um, yes, it's true. Um, I mean, I, I, I do have another one. I'll, I'll come back. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, we said in Q1 that um, we were reporting negative numbers because the sell-in was less than the sell-out, but we already in Q1 had double-digit sell-out. And then I think I said in Q1 that this will change in Q2 because you will see actually we are posting positive numbers. And, and that has happened. Um, the inventory level in China um, is almost normalized in the sense that it's what it used to be. Um, and again, uh, we have had double-digit sell-out now. Uh, sequentially through this year. So um, the, the demand, uh, of course, and the size of the business hasn't normalized because, remember, you have two and a half years to catch up since the BCI. But when you look at what is in the store, the aging of what is in the store, um, and what is needed to be taken back, I would say it's all more normalized. Now, I have to tell you that we will take less and less orders in China when it gets to pre-orders because we're putting more and more on replenishment. That means that we are going to, instead of taking orders for 100% of the demand, we might take only for 70 and then actually replenish the 30 or change it to something else. So going forward, our supply chain in China is going to be much quicker and more flexible, um, and therefore we expect less take-backs and less clearance in the outlets. That's kind of the strategy, and, and that's why... Uh, it's good that we don't report the order book because you really need to understand the order book and, and, the, and the sequence of what we're doing to understand the business. But again, we, we feel that China, um, after a lot of negativity, is turning into something positive from a demand side. And again, very proud of what our team has done uh, during a difficult time. And as you saw in the presentation, even now using celebrities for the first time in three years, it's also for the local team, of course, a lot more fun. So open up a lot more avenues on, on what we hopefully can continue to do. So so a positive development, yes. Okay, thank you. And, and my second question is actually about pre-orders. So your release this morning mentioned that you're seeing some caution in pre-ordering amongst retailers. Is that referring yeah. to H2? And are you seeing some of that caution spreading into spring, summer 2024 ordering as well? 
Well, especially the second half, you have to remember that the order book that you took last year was done in a time where, you know, the the, the market was screaming for products. So the order books were inflated um, and never converted. So it's difficult to kind of measure. But the second half this year is definitely having a negative order book. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the end will be negative. It just means that, you know, they're ordering less. And, and especially in the U.S., you see that, most retailers are planning to chase business, um, so they don't want to commit. They want to uh, have you take the, the risk, uh, which in a way is a little bit dangerous because, as I tell them, on, on the hot sellers like the Taras, if you if you gamble on on actually chasing, there might not be anything. And also, I think this uh, you know uh, unbalance between pre-orders and chasing business will normalize again when we get into next year. It's too early to talk about the order book for 24 because, as you know, Q1 is not even done yet. Um, so uh, it's too early to tell, but very cautious, especially in the U.S. for the second half this year. That's correct. Okay. Thank you. Next question comes from Simon Irwin from Credit Suisse. Please go ahead with your question. Hi, everyone. A um, couple of questions for you. Firstly, just... Going back to your comments about Yeezy Campus terrorists, etc., is kind of sounds as though there's quite a big bet going on in um, uh, which we call classics or retro or, or whatever. I mean, it, how confident are you that the market will go that way, or do you have products if you know if the market kind of goes in a in a, in a different direction? Um, and the, the second is, has the sell-through of Yeezy changed your mind about what you could do? Um, with these designs, which obviously you do own um, in the medium term, I um, mean, could you could you potentially sell them through as uh, as added, as Adidas products in the future? Um, and kind of related to that is is the the, the absence of Yeezy for next year um, one of the reasons behind your slightly more cautious kind of view about 2024? Um, I'll start. With um, the Yeezy, uh, no no plans of taking Yeezy designs and transfer them to Adi. Yes, legally we could, but I think that would be uh, the wrong timing. Um, you remember, uh, we inherited um, you know um, quite some inventory, um, and we were um, choosing between destroying and writing off the inventory uh, against selling and doing something good with the inventory and then also for self, of course, uh, creating cash uh, to pay the inventory. And I think we landed on something that has worked. We spent a lot of time talking to the different organizations um, and, and felt that we had support to do it. As you see, we have accrued or paid 110 million in donations. And now we are at the phase of, of launching the second drop. And, of course, there's uncertainty. We never know what will happen. So that's why we're very, very careful. Uh, and that's also why I think any speculation of using any design for something else would be absolutely wrong. Uh, priority is on getting um, this inventory out of our books um, and end, uh, you know, the, the story. Um, I wouldn't say as quickly as possible, but as healthy as possible. That's, um, that's the, the goal. Um, the cautiousness next year is based on, you know, we are in a situation where we've said that um, we had a lot of bad inventory sitting in industry in general. We had a lot of slow selling inventory on our side. 
uh, and uh, we did not uh, want to continue in that situation. So very disciplined buying, um, very, what should I say, structured way of going to market and not try to short-term impress anybody by taking risk. Um, and that's why this is about building one step at a time. Um, and that's why we're also cautious for 24, because we need, you know, time to change the things that we need to change. Um, when it gets to the trend um, that classics will be in, I'm not worried at all. Uh, I mean, classics has always been in. The question is what kind of classics? Um, and I think the good thing now is that um, coming out of what I would call the, the Air Force One trend, you know, white sneakers that Nike has dominated, uh, I think the Samba trend is something that is unique to, to Adi, um, and uh, we are now exploiting that, um, A, um, by having done a lot of collabs. I think the collab, for example, Gucci was brilliant. Um, I think the work that uh, they did with uh, Pharrell was brilliant, and that has created the heat. Um, and now we are at a time where we can scale it, and we see that uh, the shoes are landing on the right feet, and, and, and there's a lot of potential on this whole uh, direction. Um, we are then launching the campus with also potential that's picking up. Uh, we have in our backyard superstar again in white, black, and black, white. And then personally, I think, you know, for us to come back in running lifestyle, you know, where we were strong with both um, the easy shoes, but also with an NMD direction, we think that the Sevet is running, which is kind of the partner to the tariff look, but on a running construction, is the, is the next wave. Um, and again, we're starting to see that, uh, we're starting to do collapse on that, uh, and hopefully we then have a second leg coming out of the archive um, next year. So uh, you can never be certain, but all indicators that we have and what we can measure, I think we have two very good tools um, in our closet. Uh, and then in addition to that, you have to remember that our whole innovation team is also working on modern silhouettes on the running area um, that can go lifestyle. And you have the performance shoes, the Adi Zeros, for example, or now the Switch, uh, that also had lifestyle appeal when we put them in different materials. So a lot of options, um, and we just need to work with the trade uh, to get, you know, the right ones on the on the shelf, and also do quite some testing. And and uh, uh, but but it's not like you're sitting here not having a lot of options. I think we have plenty of options um, to play on in the next 18 months. So. So positive on that, but of course we need to do it together with the retail partners and, and be disciplined. Brilliant, thank you very much. Thank you. Francie, we have time for two more questions. Okay, then the next one is from Thomas Chauvet from City. Please go ahead. Um, good afternoon, thank you. Um, two questions, one on, on gross margin and, and one on, on Yeezy. Um, on your gross margin drivers, so discounting had a negative impact on Q, Q gross margin, but you said rightly that from Q1 to Q2 there's a tailwind with reduced discounting. Could you comment on which regions uh, you know, are seeing this, this trend? Is it more on performance or, or, or lifestyle? And then pricing was a tailwind in Q2. Uh, is it mainly the pricing effect of the second half last year, or was there more, more pricing um, uh, in Q223. That, that's my first question. Okay, let me answer that first before you very likely shoot out your second question. Um, first on the gross margin, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, discounting has been less in the second quarter compared to the first quarter, and uh, we first see it in our you know own channels, as I said, in e-commerce and retail, where we have been very disciplined, especially on the key franchises that Bjorn talked about, whether it's the Terrace or the Superstar on the Stan Smith. 
Um, it continues in North America, so not a lot of benefits in North America. It's still very promotional, but in, in, in Europe uh, we have made uh, you know good progress on the um, um, promotional environment. It'll be much more full price, especially in our own channels. Secondly, in China also better because the inventory situation improved um, uh, much better there over the last you know, couple of quarters and everything that we did in 22 already. So also there the promotional environment uh, got better. So it's uh, primarily accounted to you know, China and Europe, and uh, it still takes some time in North America given the inventory situation on our side but also in the market. When it comes to pricing, yes, of course, we are benefiting from the price increases that we did last year, but it's always a tricky part. You've got to look at the pricing and the discounting and combination, right? So uh, you always need to go down to article level to have the, the right picture. But, yes, some benefit from last year. Uh, we do not intend to increase prices, uh, you know, uh, in the future, uh, given where we are. Inflation is uh, – at least stabilizing on a high level. What you see in the second quarter is more an inflationary environment. When we talk about Argentina, Latin America overall, when we talk about some of the emerging markets, maybe we are more flexible with the pricing and react, um, you know, partly even on a weekly basis uh, when it comes to Argentina or Turkey and in some of the emerging markets on a monthly basis. So it's not as seasonal or quarterly based as in Europe and North America. But in the more mature markets, Europe and North America, the pricing is rather stable and don't expect you know, prices to go up going forward. Thank you, Ham. And uh, my second question may be for Bjorn uh, on, on Yeezy and um, what you will do with the incremental profit this year um, uh, after donation, obviously. Uh, is it fair to assume the majority of that incremental profit after donation will be reinvested in incremental marketing or sponsorship initiatives as early as this year? Um, obviously, I don't know if the, the timing of the Manchester United renewal is related perhaps to, to that. Um, anything you want to, to highlight that you could reinvest this year? And, and just does this significant one of profit change uh, your view on capital allocation? I mean, dividend consensus is close to zero this year. You said there would be no buybacks in 23 and 24. Does that, that profit pool from Yeezy uh, could, could, could change a little bit your view on, on the dividend in particular? Thank you. Well, first of all, we need to generate profit, right? And, and you're talking about the easy profit like it is in the bank. Um, I, I think we need to agree that every launch we're doing with that product has certain risk to it, and that's why we're so careful. Uh, you know, we got into this situation because it's a very tricky situation, A, with him, his management, the legal side, with the trade, with the Jewish organizations, with the black community. So to maneuver here um, is a day-to-day, week-to-week, and that's why we're so careful, um, and that's why we don't promise any profit. Uh, the profit that we have generated, you have seen, uh, we decided to donate $110 million of it, um, the rest of the gross margin uh, we have showed you, um, you know, in the 176 million EBIT line, which is mainly coming from that. And then you have to know that there's a lot of cost in our normal cost lines on the tech line, um, even on the personnel cost, uh, on the infrastructure that is driven by EC because we have built a lot of technology, apps, uh, logistics, um, mini labs, uh, development centers. That was tied only to him business, his business, and these costs are not now allocated to Yeezy because we haven't stopped it. They're still there, and our task is then going to see what can we transfer into other operations so that we will, we will what should I say, contribute to other product lines. 
uh, or do we have them to write them off or do we then have to you know expense them in a different way so there's many moving parts in this and that's why i think 23 is not necessarily about generating a lot of profit. Uh, it's about, you know, cleaning up uh, the issues we have, hopefully get rid of, of, of the easy inventory so we clean. Uh, maybe we have to carry some of it into 24. Um, and then I think we should talk about, you know, um, what should I say, profit allocation or capital allocation at a later point in time. Um, buybacks is currently not a topic, so should we do anything? We talk about dividends. Uh, but right now, I feel we should get the business under control the, the way we are promising you and that we should grow again and generate more and more profit. And then I think the topic is more relevant. Um, and believe me, um, this company will be a good company again, I promise you. But, but give us a little bit of time. Thank you, Bjorn, and best of luck. Next question is from Piral Dadhania from RBC. Please go ahead. Thank you for taking my question. Um, firstly, just on the revised guidance, negative mid-single-digit revenue growth for the full year, the implied second half, given what you've already done in the past, is kind of almost negative 10%. Appreciate that the North American market's under some pressure, but could you just help us understand what your expectations may be by by major region or even by, by, by channel, obviously wholesale under pressure? It just feels like that's a, a sequential slowdown given where you've come from in the first half, which has actually been better than expected uh, on an underlying XEZ basis. And then secondly, just on business improvement plan, um, perhaps I know that you've talked about it indirectly, Bjorn, but maybe you could just help us understand uh, what progress you've made in the last few months around um, changes to the, to the business and whether the 50 million one-off cost um, is directly attributable to that. Thank you. Well, the guidance you talk about is, of course, conservative because it implies selling no more easy uh, and, of course, having problems in the Adidas business in certain markets. That's what it implies. So that would then, as you rightly say, mathematically be, you know, almost 10% negative sales in the second half. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but that's what the math says. Um, and then when we gave out this, we promised you that we will not be, what should I say, positive in our uh, outlook, but we will kind of play the worst case scenario, and that's what it is. And hopefully, as we go through uh, now the second drop of EC and we go through the quarter, we can actually improve those because we have facts. But, but you're absolutely right. That is uh, what it is. Um, when it gets to the business improvement plans, you know, there's a lot of projects going on, and there will be more projects because, of course, we haven't fixed everything that we need to fix. Um, I think we're getting a, a, a good overview on, on, on where the issues are. And then there will be many work streams uh, necessary to kind of simplify and, and make the issues uh, better. Um, there is still a lot of work to do, and I think we should report on that when we get to the end of the year. The idea is to take all the findings and all the issues that we discussed and put them into a new strategy uh, that then hopefully can tell you how we see the leaders business and the way we do it will develop over the next three to five years. But that will take another, I would say, half a year, nine months before we're ready with. I, I think you need to understand we're a new team um, and, you know, taking over quite some difficult areas and, and we need to have some time before we issue a new strategy and, and that has quite some work streams globally um, that we need to work through. So. I think that's the only way we we can say it. Um, uh, I don't know if you want to add anything, Harm. 
Yeah, let me add a little bit. I mean, if I look at the first half of the 70 million of uh, one-time cost, uh, just to you know give some light and some transparency. I mean, most of that, uh, and Bjorn talked about a little bit. We built an infrastructure for our easy, or even more importantly, for our e-commerce business that was meant to be eight to nine billion and in, in own the game. Of course, in 25 will be a different size. So in the 70 million, you have some right-sizing of um, some of our infrastructure already um, that we have uh, you know, closed or reduced. We have looked at some retail stores that do not perform to the way that we expected to perform. So we did some impairments or made some decisions on closures, and, and, and roughly 20 million of that is already in, in some of the um, uh, right-sizing of the organization in some markets. Um, and again, uh, we had some severances to be paid in the first half already that you're probably aware of. Um, so that's pretty much what it is. So I would say, you know, 30% in severance, 30% in, you know, infrastructure, and 30% in in retail closures and impairment. And again, we keep looking for the remainder of the year. What else needs to be done as we, you know, keep reviewing our strategy and make some decisions. Um, so, but that's where we are right now. All right. Thanks very much, Francie. Thanks very much to Bjorn and Harm. And uh, also thanks very much to all of you, first of all, for participating in our call today. And then, of course, uh, for sticking to that uh, two-question rule. I think that actually worked quite well today. So this concludes our Q2 2023 conference call. As always, if there's any open questions, please feel uh, free to reach out either to Philip or myself. We're actually very much looking forward to seeing many of you over the next couple of days and weeks as part of our roadshows and conference attendances. With that, thanks very much again for your participation. Have a good remainder of the day. And for those of you who didn't have it yet, have a nice summer break. All the best. Bye-bye. Take care.